The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. And today we're talking about another when you. Somebody say when you. Not if you, but when you implying that today's teaching is intrinsic to kingdom living. When you, when you give, when you pray, and when you, wait for it, fast. If you would, stand to your feet. We're going to read God's word this morning. Give it our full attention. This is God's holy word, right? Those who, who read his, his word is life to those who find it. It is health to our flesh. Let's soak in his word this morning. Matthew 6, 16 through 18 says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private, and your father, who sees everything, will reward you you. You may be seated. Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask you to speak to us today. God, we ask you to speak to our hearts. We are listening. Give us ears to hear, Lord. I pray that you'd come and tear down any, any walls, anything that we may have built up, like a, a defense mechanism. When we hear the word fasting, I pray that you'd just come and lower our defenses. Holy Spirit, I pray that you give us fertile soil in our hearts so that as the seed of the word is thrown out, that it finds root. Help us to be careful to water and watch it grow and produce fruit in our lives for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, if you happen to notice one of your friends is not here this morning, I want you to go ahead and text them and say, I know what you're up to. Like, I know that you've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount. And I know that you saw a weekend on fasting was coming and you mapped it out and you were like, that's the weekend I'm going to the beach. Okay, text him. No, don't tell him that. I'm, I'm kidding. But it is not lost on me that generally people do not like you messing with their food. They don't like you messing with their appetite. They don't like you messing with their stomach, maybe even more so than they don't like you messing with their money. But I promise you, I promise, like pinky promise, I promise this message is going to be encouraging, that is going to be transformative, and it's going to be so helpful today, okay? Hopefully so much so that by the end of the message, you're actually texting that person that you noticed wasn't here and said, hey, we missed you at church. You got to hear this message on fasting. Now, a few disclaimers. Right up front, there are some medical conditions. If you're pregnant, if you're nursing, if you're diabetic, if you, there's certain medications that require you to take food. If you're a young person, still growing, prepubescent, if you um, maybe have dealt with an eating disorder in the past, listen, any medical condition that you might have that fasting could be harmful to you, please consult your physician. Please use wisdom. I do not want you to end up in the ER and blame me and this message for fasting, okay? So use discretion. Talk to your medical provider uh, before engaging in any type of fasting, okay? Sound good? Got it? Okay. All right. Now, in the same way that Jesus said, when you give, and when you fast, don't do it to be seen, or when you give and when you pray, don't do it to be seen. He also said, when you fast, don't do it to get attention. He said, don't do this so that people will admire you. 
Pastor David talked a couple of weekends ago about how it's kind of hard to give without being seen, especially by the person that you're giving to. But fasting is a lot easier to do in secret. We can fast more easily in secret than we can give in secret, yet it seems like we have this compulsion to let the world know when we are fasting. Maybe not by looking miserable and disheveled. I like that word, disheveled. <laughs> Maybe not by looking disheveled. Like we care too much about our outward image these days to let fasting mess with our hair or our skin. But we let people know in other ways that we're fasting um, because we struggle to practice this discipline of secrecy. But in the same way that we need to be asking ourselves, would we give if the only one that knew was the Lord? Would we pray even if it's not in front of people like midweek prayer? Are we praying in the privacy in our own private prayer closets, even if the only one that knows that I'm praying is the Lord? We need to be asking ourselves, if no one knew I was fasting except for the Lord, would I still be fasting? It comes back to determining our motive and our motive for fasting can't be so that we look more spiritual, so that we look more holy, so that people think we're super disciplined, super pious. Our motive can't be the praise of people because the same with giving and the same with praying. If our motive is the praise of people, then that is the reward that we get. And it's a very shallow reward. It's not worth it. I read this once and I never had to reread it again. It's like the Holy Spirit tattooed it on my heart. It was, the praise of men is little more than stinking breath. The praise of men is little more than stinking breath. So if your motive for fasting is the praise of men, your reward is little more than stinking breath. One, you're going to have stinky breath because fasting always leaves you with stinky breath. You're going to go through these hunger pains. You're going to suffer through a fast. And if it's for the, the, the praise and attention of man, then all you're going to be left with is more stinking breath. And at that point, that's not really worth it. So just go ahead and eat. Motive is everything in God's kingdom. Why we are doing what we are doing matters. But let me say this. Sometimes we don't always understand why we're doing what God has asked us to do. And that is okay. And that is quite all right. That is normal. Sometimes we see things in scripture like we need to pray continuously. We need to fast. And we don't always understand. We don't have a full revelation of why we need to be doing this. But if you wait till you have a full revelation of why you should be doing it, you're probably never going to do it. So start doing it. And in the doing, even though my motives may not be 100% ultra pure, even though I may be doing it for the wrong reason, I'm doing it. And in the doing, that's when God begins to show me the why. This is why I have you doing this. It's in the doing that my motivation is being transformed. And I can say that that's been my story with fasting. I did not grow up practicing fasting. I remember being in my public school in an algebra class, Mr. Lelf's class, like I can see this scenario. And this girl on drill team is telling me that she's giving up chocolate for 40 days for this thing called Lent. And me being non-denominational, my only concept of Lent is like the dryer Lent or like a Lent in your belly button. I have no idea what she means by Lent, but I'm, I'm thinking, and this just gives you a glimpse into middle school, Sarah, and my competitive nature, I'm thinking, I bet I could give up chocolate for 40 days, like big whoop, I could give up chocolate and Sour Patch Kids and probably Dr. Pepper for 40 days, maybe 50 days. And I remember, I kid you not, I remember thinking to myself, I wish my church did this 
because if they did it, I'd be better at it than all my friends, I'm sure. <laughs> this was middle school Sarah, a very real Saul complex is what I was dealing with there. Um, but fasting wasn't a thing at my churches growing up. Uh, I didn't participate in my very first fast till I was 23 years old. I'd already had Gus by this point. Josh and I had been married for five years. Um, and I didn't have a revelation of fasting when I started fasting. I was just doing it because it was a church-wide fast and everybody else was doing it. So my mo motivation started out wrong, but I'll tell you, as I began to fast, even though it was for the wrong reason, I began to see why God wants us to fast, why God invites us to fast. I began to see that it's really good for my flesh not to always get its way. I began to see that when I'm fasting, it's like my spiritual senses are on high alert. Like I can sense God's presence. I can get into his presence a lot more quicker uh, or a lot more, a lot more quicker, a lot quicker. Um, <laughs> I, can, I can hear his voice more clearly. I began to see the why as I was doing it. So maybe you're like me and you did not grow up practice, practicing fasting I would be surprised if you did, um, unless you grew up in a denominational church, because for a lot of years in the Western church, fasting was not regarded as an important aid in practicing the way of Jesus. Fasting became a lost art for a really long time. Richard Foster wrote a book in 1978. That was before I was born. That was before Josh was born. So you know it's old. Um, <laughs> It's called Celebration of Discipline. And in this book, he's calling people back to practicing the spiritual disciplines like fasting, frugality, secrecy, uh, uh, silence, solitude. He's breathing new life into these old disciplines, these age-old practices that the Protestant church seemed to abandon for a while. Now, when he was researching for this book back in the 70s, he found out that from 1861 to 1954, I'll help you out with the math there. That's a 93-year-long span, almost a century. And during that century, there was not a single book published on the subject of fasting, this thing that's intrinsic to the kingdom of God. It's like it just got forgotten. Now, I'm thankful for the revival of the disciplines that he and many others like him helped Begin because now there's a billion books about fasting and churches talk about it pretty regularly. Most churches, denominational and non-denominational alike, they practice like 21 days of prayer and fasting or you'll at least hear like one message a year on fasting. But even still, even though there's been a, a, a great um, revival on teaching of fasting, there's still not very many people who actually practice this discipline regularly. It's, like I said, become a lost art. There's a disconnect there. Like Pastor Josh talked about with prayer last week. We know it's good. We see Jesus says that we need to pray, but we don't do it. Same with fasting. But this is intrinsic. And therefore, a discipline or a spiritual practice, if you will, that those who are serious about practicing the way of Jesus, those who want to follow after their rabbi so closely that his dust of his feet are kicking up onto them, those who want to apprentice under him, that this would be important in our lives. So today, my goal in the next couple of minutes is to fan into flame a passion for fasting, to fan into flame a passion for fasting. So I want to answer three questions to help us do that. What, why, and how? What, why, and how? What? Okay, what is 
biblical fasting. Fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. You can write that down if you're taking notes. Fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Now, a lot of people talk about refraining from or fasting from Netflix. I'm fasting from social media. I'm fasting from my Xbox. I'm fasting from uh, a Target. But none of those things are food. So technically, that's not fasting. That's called abstaining. And I'm not knocking abstaining. Like, we need to abstain from anything that's becoming an idol in our life, anything that's becoming an intruder, anything that's becoming a distraction, a a disruption in our walk with God. We should take time to abstain from that thing. One of the best months of my year, the last two years, has been the month where I abstain completely from all social media. And the best day of my week is the day of the week where I abstain from all social media. I'm not knocking abstaining. Abstaining is good. I'm just bringing to light that it's different than fasting because fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Somebody say food. Why food? This week at the pool, I was talking to my kids, my older kids, and saying, what, what's one thing that you, what's one question that you would like answered about fasting? And they both said, why food? Why food? Because food dominates every existence or every aspect of our existence. Food is an obsession for all people, all people, all walks of life, all social classes, Food is an obsession for us. We order our lives, our days around food, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. We order our celebrations, our morning, our lives. They, they revolve around food. My teenage son, he asked me more questions about food than any other subject <laughs> throughout the day. Mom, where's the syrup? Mom, why don't we have any chips? Mom, when's lunch? Mom, where are we going for dinner? Mom, you need to go to the grocery store. When are you going to the grocery store? Lots of questions about food because food is an obsession for all people. Mom, where's my lunch money? Mom, I need more lunch money. Food. <laughs> Low-income people obsess over food. Will I have enough? Will I, will I have enough food? Middle-class people obsess over food. Not so much will I have enough, but will I enjoy it? Will it be pleasurable for me? And where was it sourced? How was it sourced? Are these eggs free-range? Are they from a free-range chicken? How many stars does this restaurant get on Yelp? I'm not going in there if it's less than four and a half stars on Yelp. Upper class obsessed over food, not so much will I have enough or will I like it, but will it be pleasing to my eyes as well? Will it be aesthetically pleasing in search of the perfect plate of food visually and appetizing? As soon as we begin a fast, one day in, or if you were like me, one meal in, You become painfully aware of the role that food plays in our lives. One missed meal, and I feel weak. I feel irritable. My head is pounding like one missed meal. When I remove food, all of a sudden, I'm super aware that my ability to show kindness to my family in the morning is not because I'm choosing to put on my new nature. It is because I had a kind bar. And that kind breakfast bar is helping me to stay kind and to be patient with my family. Take away the kind bar and the patience and the kindness. It's like, oh, I was depending on that whole grain 
for my kindness or I'm depending on that cup of coffee to be a source of comfort to me. I'm looking to coffee for comfort. I'm looking to whole grains for kindness. I'm looking to ice cream for joy. Some people look to wine, to alcohol for peace. Food has a tendency to cover up things going on inside of us. It also has a tendency to numb. Oh, don't you hate being numb? Like the dentist, the worst. It has a tendency to numb our spiritual senses. John Piper says it like this, the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. We're so full and we are so satisfied by three meals a day, plus snacks, plus gourmet beverages that our appetites for heaven invading earth have become dull. Our appetite for heaven heaven invading earth has become dull because we're so full. Food becomes such a source of sustenance and satisfaction that we become more dependent on it than we are on God. John Tyson writes, when you look back over redemptive history, it's remarkable how much spiritual danger and disobedience were related to the simple comforts of food. Adam and Eve were tempted by the appearance of food. Esau was willing to give up his birthright for a pot of stew in a moment of hunger. The children of Israel shrank back from their destiny of deliverance when they remembered the food of Egypt. If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish. They were slaves for 400 years, yet the desire for food, for food distorted their memories and they wanted to go back. We need to be aware of the danger in finding comfort in food because hear me church, a comfortable Christian, a comfortable Christian is always going to settle for less than what God has for them. When a believer in the persecuted church was asked what he thought of the American church, he responded, so much food, so little power. Now, I'm not saying you can't enjoy food, right? Enjoy food. Jesus enjoyed food. We see Jesus feasting with friends. We see Jesus hosting a fish fry for the disciples after the resurrection, right? Josh and I love food. Our Fridays are all about pleasure stacking. How much pleasure can we stack into this Friday? It is the best food, the best coffee, the best everything on Fridays. It's, it's awesome. We love food. Jesus loved food. Uh, but we see that his food was doing the Father's will. He wasn't dependent on food for comfort or for strength. We see Jesus was totally dependent on his father to source him. So there's three types of fast I want to bring to your attention that we see in scripture. The first one is an absolute fast. That's when water and food are given up completely for a short period of time. Jesus did this for 40 days. If you do this for 40 days, you probably die. So short period of time where you give up food and water. That's an absolute fast. A normal fast is when you take in liquids, but you stop eating food. So water, broth, but no food. That's a normal fast. A partial fast is refraining from certain categories of food, like the Daniel fast. Daniel, he fasted from any food that brought him pleasure. So like if it sparked joy, he's not eating it. Uh, we've done a few partial fasts together here at New Song, Daniel Fast, where we cut out like dairy, sugar, anything unhealthy for 21 days. And it's always been 
great, but for me, when fasting really began to click, or I'll say when I got even a deeper revelation of fasting is when I moved from partial fasting, like a Daniel fast, once a year to normal fasting, giving up food, taking in liquids, several times a year or throughout the year. And here's why I think that click, that revelation came, is because when I was doing a partial fast, a Daniel fast, I was never really hungry. I could find my way around hunger. Like I'm not allowed to have cake, but I can have almonds. So I'm hungry, so I grab a handful of almonds so that I won't feel the hunger. But when I got this revelation of a normal fast where it's like, you can't even have almonds, uh, one day in, one meal, and it's like, oh, okay, the hunger part is really important to the heart of fasting because the hunger is what reminds you again and again and again of why you are fasting in the first place. And that leads us to the second question, which is why? Why should we fast? Why should we refrain from food for spiritual purposes? Now, I want to share three reasons why we fast with you. But first, let me share just a couple of thoughts on why we don't fast, okay? We don't fast to create better habits. And we do not fast to look better in our jeans or our swimsuit or whatever the case may be. I have fasted for both of those reasons before. Thank you, God, for grace and for more grace. After December, when you've put on a couple of pounds and you're like, all right, the Daniel fast, the 21 days is coming up. I'm going to get back on track. My habits are going to get in line and I'm going to lose a couple of of pounds. That is not the right reasons to fast. Uh, Let me also touch on this. Uh, A couple of months ago, I went to the doctor for a health issue and he suggested that I begin intermittent fasting. And so that intermittent fasting for six weeks coupled with prayer, I came down and had somebody pray over me and uh, faith in God reversed that health issue in six weeks. It was gone when I went to the doctor. No medication, just intermittent fasting, prayer and faith in God. Yeah, Uh, but I remember when he told me about intermittent fasting, I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to be able to kill two birds with one stone. I'm going to get my health in line and I'm going to be super holy because I'm going to be fasting every day. But I quickly realized that when you start an intermittent fast, like four days into it, your body's totally used to it. You're not even hungry in those windows that you can't eat anymore. And so now it's not really serving a spiritual purpose. So I'm not saying don't fast for your health. Like there's a good reason that intermittent fasting has been trending in health and and, in the media because it works. I'm just saying fasting for your health and fasting for spiritual reasons, don't get the two uh, confused. They're different. Fasting is for a spiritual purpose. Okay. So why do we fast? Three reasons. Number one, the spiritual purpose of fasting is to reveal our dependence on God. Fasting, Dallas Willard says, fasting confirms our utter dependence on God by finding in him a source beyond food. The Lord put it to me like this this week. Fasting is a bold, full-bodied declaration God, I need you. God, I need you. I am desperate for you, Lord. Fasting is saying, God, I need you. I recognize that you and you alone are the source of my joy, that you are the source of my peace, that you are my righteousness. God, I need you. It's you 
God, it's, it's you and you alone that are waking up my soul. When everything else in this world is trying to put me to sleep, it's trying to numb me. It's you, God, that is calling out to the deep in me. You're the one calling out to the deep and I need you. You and you alone are sustaining me. Nothing else can do what you can do. Fasting is like prayer in that it's a beggarly posture. We humble ourselves and we say, God, I'm looking to you to be my satisfaction, to be my source, and to be my sustainer, the sustainer of my life. It's saying, I'm not going to eat this breakfast, but I'm going to eat your word. And in doing so, I'm saying I'm dependent on your word. I find your word and I eat your word. And your word is to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. I'm dependent on your will. Doing your will is where I find purpose. I'm dependent on your will. I'm dependent on your spirit to lead me and guide me. God, I am dependent on your grace to help me overcome this sin. I'm dependent on you to satisfy me like no one or nothing else can. Fasting says, no drink is as wonderful as thirst. It says, no food is as wonderful as hunger. Now this is totally counter-cultural, along with everything else in the Sermon on the Mount. In this food-obsessed world that we live in, like networks, devoted to food, entire networks, all about food, magazines, industries, everything, neighborhoods, all revolving around food. In this food-obsessed culture, you say to someone, there is no drink more wonderful than thirst. They're going to look at you like you are out of your mind, right? And and we can see this. Just, Just drive around today. There's a place to get something to drink or something to eat, a Starbucks, a McDonald's on every corner. Why? Because we do not associate thirst and hunger with wonderful. Like that is not, those two things in our mind do not go together. How can these things be wonderful? Here's how. No drink is as wonderful as thirst because when you thirst, when you thirst for God, when you pant for God like a deer going after a stream, when you thirst, you seek. And scripture promises that when you seek, you find. And when you find, what do you find? You find Jesus who is living water. He is living water. Thirst sets the stage for God. Why is there no food as wonderful as hunger? Because hunger makes you crave. And when you crave, you go and hunt. And when you hunt, you find. And what do you find? You find Jesus, who is the bread of life. There is no food as wonderful as hunger because hunger sets the stage for the almighty God. This is why this is true. Crazy sounding, but true. Jesus said at the top of the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. He also said, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. But you gotta come. You gotta gotta come to him. What makes you want to come to him is that hunger and that thirst. So how hungry are you? How needy? are you? How desperate, how dependent on God are you? Are you willing, church, to take steps to break out of the ordinary so that you can experience more of God? 
Jensen Franklin writes, there are dimensions of our glorious king that will never be revealed to the casual disinterested worshiper. There are walls of intercession that will never be scaled by dispassionate religious service. But when you take steps to break out of the ordinary, where food is king, where we are obsessed with food, three meals a day, snacks, when you take steps to break out of the ordinary and you worship him as he deserves, you'll begin to see facets of his being you never knew existed. You will, he will begin to share secrets with you about himself, his plans, his desire for you. When you worship God as he deserves, he's magnified. No drink is as wonderful as thirst. No food is as wonderful as hunger. Fasting reveals our dependence on God. And let me just throw this in there because fasting and prayer go hand in hand. They go together. I know we talked about prayer uh, last week, but I, I want you to see dependence on God will result in a deeper connection with God through prayer. If maybe you've hit like a wall in your prayer life, prayer life like you've kind of plateaued, I want to encourage you to begin fasting regularly. I think um, one of my favorite sounds is the sound of ringing church bells church bells ringing. It's just such a great sound. Oh, you don't hear it very often out here, but if you're ever walking around and you hear, like it just makes you stop and be like, ah, oh, church, like it's just a beautiful sound. We don't, we don't, I was telling Josh, I think we need church bells. Like we need to put that in the budget at the new building. I, I'm, I'm feeling some church bells. Um, <laughs> sorry. It's our, it's our, the plans are already, maybe the next phase two. Okay. Um, but there's a lot of uh, Catholic Lutheran churches that still ring their bell towers three times a day, 6 a.m., 6 p.m., and noon. Why do they do this? They started ringing church bells as a, a sign to summon the faithful to pray, to summon the faithful to pray. Every time they heard the church bells, they were supposed to stop, pause, and pray the Lord's prayer. Now, fasting is, 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 is to us what church bells are to Catholics, Lutherans, whenever we fast, sun up to sundown, and we experience hunger pains, and our stomach starts to growl, that grumbling should summon the faithful to pray. What if every time your stomach growled as you're fasting, you stopped and, and said the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. I'm desperate for your kingdom to come. Your will be done. Your will is my food. Your will be done on earth in me. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me today my daily bread, Lord. Everything I need found in you. You're my daily bread. Forgive me, God, as I forgive those who've sinned against me. You're not gonna be able to hold that grudge very long if every time your stomach grumbles, you're asking the Lord to help you forgive others as he's forgiven you. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil for yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever, amen. What if every time your stomach growled, you said the Lord's prayer or an Ephesians prayer or a prayer of thanksgiving or just a God, I need you prayer. Fasting reveals our dependence on God. And there's a lot of priceless rewards that stem from being dependent on God, deeper connection with Abba, heightened spiritual senses, being able to hear his voice more clearly. But I think Jesus summed up the reward best in his opening line in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are dependent on him, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Your father who sees everything will reward you. What a reward. Like, 
the stinking breath of men or the kingdom of heaven? Number two, the spiritual purpose of fasting is to dethrone our flesh. To dethrone our flesh. Now, when I talk about flesh, I am not talking about the soft substance consisting of fat and skin that is found between our, our skin and bone. When I talk about flesh, I am referring to, write this down, human impulses springing from desire, more animal than spiritual. When Paul talks about the lust of the flesh, he's not talking about the lust of the soft substance under our skin. He is talking about the corrupt desires that sin introduced into our appetites and into our instincts. We talked about our new nature a couple weeks ago and how the instincts of our new nature are holy and righteous. But our old nature, our sinful nature, the instincts of that nature are corrupt, sinful, and evil. Galatians 5, 16 through 17, Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, those corrupt desires that sin introduced to your appetites. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict. Somebody say conflict. They are in conflict with each other so that you were not to do whatever you want. Fasting aids you in the conflict between your spirit who wants to do what is holy and righteous and your flesh who wants to do what is evil and sinful. Now I'm sure that you are well aware by this point, that your body, like the rest of your soul, has been corrupted by sin. And because of that, our bodies sometimes can be stinkers, and some, sometimes our bodies can team up with our flesh in the fight, in the conflict against the spirit. So our bodies say, I'm, I'm siding with the flesh on this one, sorry new nature, but I'm going with the flesh. They team up against us. They work against us. For instance, God being good, he gifted us bodies. God being good, gifted us bodies that can experience pleasure. God also being good, gave us rules and laws to know when is the right time and the right place to experience pleasure, like sexual pleasure, for instance. We see that the right time and place is in marriage, in the marriage bed. But your flesh says, who cares about the right time and the right place? I want what, what I want when I want it. And your body, because your sex drive is located in your body, says, yeah, I like what the flesh has to say about this. I don't really like what my new nature has to say about this. And your body becomes an adversary in this conflict. So it's a gift from God, but oftentimes because it's been corrupted by sin, it's working against us. But I love this from John Mark Comer. He says, write it down, this is so impactful. He says, fasting is a way to turn your body into an ally in your fight with the flesh rather than an adversary. Fasting is a way to turn your body into an ally in your fight with the flesh rather than an adversary. Listen, we're in a fight. We are in a battle with our flesh. We are in a major conflict and we need allies. When I think about allies, I think about World War II 
And I think about how differently that war would have ended for Great Britain without the alliance of the United States and the Soviet Union. When you go to the World War II Museum in New Orleans, there's this whole room all about the alliance and how alliance was the key to victory. Hear me. Your flesh is crazy. Your flesh is like Hitler. And if you want to win in your fight against the flesh, like we wanted to win against Hitler, we need some allies. We need to make our body an ally in our fight against the flesh. And I'm talking about more than like having a covenant eyes ally that looks at your search history. That's great. But that covenant eyes ally can't be with you all the time. Your body can be with you all the time. So you need to turn your body into an ally instead of letting it be an adversary. Because we have a big enough adversary in Satan. Scripture says that he is our adversary and he walks around seeking whom he may devour. You don't need more of that. You need an ally. When we read scripture, we renew our minds and our minds become an ally in our fight against uh, the lies of the enemy. Well, in the same way, when we fast, we turn our body into an ally in the fight with the flesh. Alliance is the key in your conflict with your flesh. Now, how does this work? It works because we're conditioned by the culture to expect instant gratification. But fasting trains our bodies. It tells our bodies that you can't always get what you want. And you can't always get what you want right when you want it. When we fast, it's kind of like we're saying to our body, okay, listen up, body. I know it's hard for you to wrap your mind around because you're used to getting what you want whenever you want it. But today we're fasting. So body today, here's what we're doing. We are learning that because Jesus is our source, that we can be happy, that we can be content, even if we don't get what we want. We are learning that we can suffer happily as we fast from food and as we feast on God. You're saying, stomach, you're not my God. Body, you are not my God. God is God, and we're here to submit and to serve him. Thomas Kempis said, refrain from gluttony, and thou shalt the more easily restrain all the inclinations of the flesh. In other words, fasting, refraining from food, makes it easier to restrain all the sinful impulses of the flesh. Denying your belly makes it easier to deny apathy, laziness. Denying your belly makes it easier to deny selfishness. Denying your body makes it easier to deny the lust of the flesh, the pornography. Denying your body makes it easier to deny letting anger or bitterness take root in your heart. Denying your belly will make it easier for you to restrain all of the inclinations of the flesh, those evil and corrupt desires. The Lord said it to me this week, fasting files a restraining order on your flesh. Don't you want to put a restraining order on your flesh that's been corrupted by sin and makes your appetites and instincts evil? Let's put a restraining order on our flesh. And fasting also reorders our loves and our longings. John Tyson says, fasting is one of God's great tools for reorienting our longings away from the flesh and back toward God. 
All of us have deeply ingrained patterns, dopamine reward mechanisms. If it feels good, do it, and there's a reward. And neural pathways centered around a need for physical satisfaction. Fasting breaks these default connections and reorients us toward a greater food, intimacy with, and enjoyment of God. Fasting dethrones our flesh. And number three, the spiritual purpose of fasting is to experience breakthrough. Breakthrough. Our nation needs a breakthrough, right? Sometimes it's so dark that we just want to like throw in the towel and be like, Lord, I don't know. I, there, I don't even know like if, if this thing is worth praying for. We want to just throw in the towel. Or we think that, that if just the right person gets into the office, that everything's going to turn around. We know, look, look, look back at history. That is not the case. It's not, that has, it's not, that's not the answer. Uh, a, a bill, a law being passed, that's not really going to change anything. It's about people's hearts, uh, a, 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 um, a rally, a protest. Like none of this is going to bring lasting breakthrough. So what if we turned to God through fasting and said, God, do it again. Do it again. Historically, when God's people turn to him through fasting, he breaks in. Moses, his 40-day fast resulted in the Ten Commandments. Hannah fasted, and God released a prophet, Samuel, who changed the destiny of a nation. Esther called for a fast. Her people were delivered. Her enemies scattered. Jesus fasted and overcame temptations that held humanity in bondage. And when the Christians at Antioch were fasting, God broke in and gave them direction and anointing for the mission that would take the gospel to the ends of the earth. How bad do you want breakthrough? In our nation, in our city, in your family, with that prodigal, in your marriage? Have you fasted? Have you turned to God through fasting and said, I'm dependent on you and I know that you are the only one who can break in and make a difference? We see a biblical precedent for fasting for breakthrough. And when you study fasting in the scriptures, you'll see that it can turn back judgment and it can unleash God's blessing in its place. Fasting can accelerate kingdom mission in our time, in our city. So we need to utilize the practice for breakthrough. So what is it? It's refraining from food for spiritual purposes. Why do we do it? We do it to reveal our dependence on God. We do it to dethrone our flesh and to experience breakthrough. And how? How do I practice this? Now, I think it looks different for everyone. So I'm not going to give you a plan like, let's all do this together this day at this time. Um, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to lead us in that in just a moment. But the, the one thing I do want to give you in regards to the how is this practice fasting systematically practice fasting systematically because here's the thing when you first start fasting it is not easy it's really hard it is really brutal and it is very distracting like your 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 first day into the fast you're like I can't wait to get in the word and I'm just gonna pray but when you're praying you're just like I hate fasting I feel more away from God than I did before I started the fasting. This is a stupid discipline. It's not working. And you're just thinking about how hungry you are. And the way to push through that is with experience. And you gain experience when you decide that fasting is going to be something that you practice systematically. The more you fast, the more your body knows what to expect. And you're still going to suffer hunger and you're still going to experience those pains. Remember, that's part of it. That's an important part of it. 
Um, but you start to see as you practice it more and more the transformational work that it's doing in your life and you just get excited about it. Like there's this expectation that overrides the hunger. There's a happiness that comes uh, and, and displaces the, the, the frustration. You begin, the more you practice to become so aware of his presence, you begin to realize like it is God that is sustaining me today and sourcing me today. And it gets really exciting. You get to the point where instead of being so consumed with like your body raging out because you're not feeding it, you become consumed with God. And you get to the place where you are actually feasting on Him and His Word and enjoying His presence. And it's there that He can take you to the deep places that He's calling you to. So it's important that we do this systematically. Maybe it's once a week. Maybe you eat dinner Tuesday night at seven o'clock and you don't eat anything else until Wednesday after prayer. You, what, if you, what if you came to midweek prayer with an empty belly? Like from 7 p.m. one night to 1 p.m. the next day. That's an 18 hour fast. The good news is you're sleeping through a lot of that. Um, but what if you came with an empty belly and you're like, I'm desperate for you, God. I'm desperate for you, Lord. Maybe it's a whole day, once a month. Maybe it is sun up to sundown the first three days of the month. That's the bridegroom fast. People do that all over the nation. Uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just one meal starting out like, I'm not going to do breakfast tomorrow. I don't know what that looks like for you, but the Holy Spirit does. So let's ask him. Would you bow your heads? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.